Does it ever seem like life just kind of happens to you? Maybe you log on to Instagram or look around at the women in your small group or in the pew beside you at church, and it just seems like everybody else figured it out. Meanwhile, you are in the dark, wondering how people do it all, how some people have this adulting thing down. What's their secret? Did you miss the day in school where they taught you how to get your stuff together and be confident in who you are? Maybe there's a podcast on it somewhere or a book in the stacks of Barnes and Noble that will answer all your burning adulthood questions. Hey there. Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we explore and embrace what St. Pope John Paul II called the feminine genius, this unique strength and dignity that we have as women and what growing in that looks like in our daily lives. It's not about defining the quote unquote one perfect way to be a Catholic woman living in today's world. Instead, it's about the journey of discovering the unique way that God has gifted each and every one of us in the feminine genius and what that looks like in our ordinary daily life. My name is Chloe Langer. I'm a Catholic wife and mom living here in Kansas City, and I record these conversations during my toddler's nap times and after their bedtimes. And in today's episode, I sit down with Julia Marie Hogan Warner. She uses psychological research, real world examples, and the eternal truths of our Catholic faith to share how to reclaim your sense of direction and purpose as a Catholic woman today. So if you're feeling crushed under the weight of external and internal expectations or feeling overwhelmed and unsure of what direction your life is going to take, Sister, this letter's for you. This episode of the Letters to Women podcast is sponsored by the Little Catholic Box. The Little Catholic Box is a quarterly subscription box for Catholic women. Each quarter, the owner, Erica, curates unique and beautiful Catholic items around a spiritual theme. It is so much fun to be a subscriber. It's also a blessing to the artists and creators and small businesses whose items are featured. This month, they have a special offer for Letters to Women listeners. One of their most popular items is 50% off if you visit the littlecatholicbox.com slash letters, and you're going to want to check it out because it's such a gorgeous surprise. There's a new deal each month for Letters to Women listeners, so head over to the littlecatholicbox.com slash letters each month for a new bonus for Letters to Women listeners. Here's my conversation with Julia. Today, I'm welcoming Julia Marie Hogan Warner to the podcast. Julia is a licensed clinical professional counselor in Chicago. She completed her master's in clinical psychology from the Institute for Psychological Sciences in Arlington, Virginia. In addition to her work as a psychotherapist, she leads workshops and writes on topics related to self-care, relationships, and mental health. She's passionate about empowering individuals to be their most authentic self. Julia, welcome back to Letters to Women. It's so good to sit down with you. Thank you for having me, Chloe. It's great to be back. I'm so excited to chat today. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about reclaiming a sense of direction and purpose, setting boundaries, embracing commitment instead of being afraid of it. And you came on the Letters to Women podcast all the way back in 2018 to talk about self-care. I know a lot has changed in your life since we sat down four years ago. So to start off today's conversation, can you tell me a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Yeah, of course. Yes. Our last interview, our last chat was vintage now. <laughs> yes, <right? laughs> Four years ago. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, so I have just been, um, I think a big theme in my life, just as a Catholic woman, a big theme is really, I think, challenging some preconceptions that we've all grown up with, whether it's about boundaries, relationships, particularly mental health and my work as a therapist. And I really see that as kind of my mission to help people see the value in paying attention to your mental and emotional well-being, dispelling any misconceptions around faith and psychology and seeing how they can actually work together and be really helpful, uh, showing how they're different from things like spiritual direction. 
And I do that not only in my writing, so in my, my books and the articles that I write, but then also in my private practice that I have. So we work with clients here just outside of Chicago, uh, providing faith-informed therapy. And it's been really great to see so many people interested in taking advantage of faith-informed therapy. And I have myself and then two other therapists who are part of the practice, and we all have our specialties. And so it's been really cool to see it grow um, so that's a lot of what my my day-to-day life is. Your first book was It's Okay to Start With You. And that is my go-to recommendation for anyone who reaches out and asks for any resources on self-care. And it's so good. And you just launched your second book, which is called A Work in Progress, Embracing the Life God Gave You. I would love to hear about what inspired this new book and what readers will find when they crack open that cover. Thank you so much for recommending my first book. That makes me really happy. <laughs> made my day. <laughs> oh, and uh, But so, yeah, so A Work in Progress, I think really is an extension of the ideas that began and it's okay to start with you because you know the premise of it's okay to start with you is that our dignity and our worth as human beings has been gifted to us by God right that we're created in the image and likeness of God and that Jesus died and rose for us and our salvation and so that need to prove ourselves or to you know do enough to feel worthy is kind of a fruitless chase right in the sense of if we operate instead of trying to prove our worth but operate in more of a sense of we know our worth and so we're acting out of that worth we interact in the world differently with ourselves with other people society at large and so a work in progress I think is really an extension on that main theme and is looking at what are the specific ways in which we can live a life that recognizes our worth and that God has a specific plan for us. When I give my little elevator pitch for this book, you know, people say, what is this book about? I say, this is a book I wish I had for my younger self when I was in high school and college and grad school, because a lot of the ideas that I present in this book, things like how to make a good decision or knowing your values in life, knowing your priorities, challenging unhealthy expectations, all of these things I wish someone had told me in my early you know, high school, college, grad school years. But it really, they, I really didn't learn about a lot of these ideas until I was in grad school and then out of grad school. And a lot, it was a lot of moments of discovery and thinking, why didn't I know about this before? Oh my gosh, this is so eye opening. This is a total game changer. So I wanted to put all of those things in a book, you know, really to write the book that I wish I had when I was younger so that other people can really have a roadmap, I would say, for how do I recognize my gifts, my unique purpose, see God in my life, and live out a a life of meaning on a day-to-day basis, and not just one that's uh, dependent on like these big life events happening, graduations, or, or getting a job, or getting a promotion, or getting married, or living in a certain place, right? But finding that purpose in those everyday moments. Isn't it so interesting? I don't know if you found this with your other writing projects. This has kind of been my experience where you write the thing that either you need to read in the present moment or you, yeah, like you were you were saying, you wish you could have read those years ago and how, yeah, how fruitful that is for people who find themselves in those situations where now they can, they can read something like this resource that this book that you've created in that, in that present moment. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because I think, you know, you have those moments. And I know you shared about it with your book on friendship, too. But just these these moments of like, people need to know about this, or I can't believe there isn't a book about this. Or, you know, I want to like, 
share share the wealth, right? Like why why keep these, you know, great topics and ideas to myself? I want to share them and and maybe save a younger version of myself some some time and energy and help them, <laughs> you know, kind of get a little jump start on these life skills. You know, when you talk about life skills, the thing that comes to mind from conversation with friends or social media conversation is this phrase adulting. And it's this buzzword that gets tossed around in conversations about topics from things like changing the oil in the car to paying rent. But you have this line, you write that there's so much more to our adult life than creating a budget or completing household chores. It's not so much what you do with your life, but how you do it. So why are so many of us feeling that crushing weight of expectations, both internal and external? And how do we make that shift from reacting to life to playing a more active role in shaping that life that God's given us? Oh, yes. How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) We can talk on this one for three hours. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You'll have to cut me off. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I think that we, as a society... You know, it's been written about a lot and talked about a lot, but we very much focus on what do we do? How are how productive are we? What do we produce? Am I doing something that communicates how important I am or how worthy I am? Or, you know, are other people seeing that? Or am I feeling good because I'm reaching these certain milestones that I've set for myself? But I think what gets tricky is there's a lot of life that is outside of our control and we don't really have the opportunity to, I don't know, uh, select every element of our life, I guess you could say, right? It's kind of this dance of like, we can create opportunities for ourselves, or we can ask God to kind of show us the direction or to help ask him to create an opportunity for us. But then there are also things that we just face in life or circumstances we're put into, or things that happen to us that we have no control over. So it's kind of this dance between I'm focusing on what's in within my control and then I'm focusing on how I respond to what's outside of my control too and I think that you know making that shift from seeing life or adulting as oh my gosh these huge responsibilities that seem kind of mysterious or like overwhelming shifting from that to seeing I have a purpose. And even if I don't know exactly what that purpose is right now, I can make decisions that are helping me uncover or discover or continually reveal what that purpose might be. And in the book, I talk about the importance of knowing your values in life and then also knowing your priorities because your values really provide that sort of compass in your life that you can say, you know, for example, if you really value building community, that that's something that's important to you. And so your priorities in life then should be informed by that value and the decisions that you make. Is this helping me honor the value of community that I have? Or is it taking me away from that? And I think that can really give you a sense of, okay, adulting is not just like surviving and paying the bills or like getting stuck in this rat race of this is what a good uh, Catholic woman is supposed to do or she has to look one certain way, but looking more at what's my individual call and then feeling empowered to be able to live that out, I would say is an important piece as well. Yeah, that definition of values, having that to be able to hold on to as kind of a measuring stick of being of going into a decision and say, okay, does this align with a value versus kind of feeling like all these things are happening to you, being able to, to hold something that is close to you and say, like you said, ex- community as the example. And if it doesn't line up with that value, and that is something that's important to you, it makes setting that boundary or saying no to that opportunity so much easier because you feel like you have a sort of framework to operate in. 
Yeah, it really brings clarity, I think, and helps you feel like you're in the driver's seat in like a healthy way, not a controlling way, but also not in this hands-off passive way, right? But I'm an active participant in my life because I'm using my values to shape my priorities and how I spend my time. And I definitely talk about this book a lot, but Man's Search for Meaning, I think most people read it in high school or college at some point. But the basic premise of the book is this Austrian psychiatrist who is uh, living during World War II, and he's Jewish, and he's placed in a concentration camp. And in his experience there, he was really trying to figure out, you know, what's this difference that I'm noticing between the people who are there? Um, You know, some people just kind of give up and lose their spirit, and other people choose to wake up every day and have this, like, fighting spirit or some kind of you know, um, will to live, I think he called it. And through his observations, he really came to understand that, you know, if you have a purpose or a reason for living, it will get you through anything. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you'll survive, right, in the sense of some people had that will to live, and they didn't make it through the concentration camp. Um, But more his point is, if we have a purpose or a meaning it shapes how we respond to our environment right do we respond with this you know confidence and resolve and we are choosing how we're going to approach every day or do we give up or do we feel hopeless do we feel despondent and I think you know I love that book because I think if if Viktor Frankl the author if he can find meaning in one of the worst and one of the worst times in history and one of the worst places ever to exist then we can find that meaning in our lives too, no matter what we're going through. I love how in your book, you identify some habits that can cause us to lose sight of our identity, to lose sight of that purpose. And you also talk about, on the flip side of that, practices that can help us regain that sense of self and purpose. And when I was reading through those two lists of habits and practices, there was a couple that stuck out to me, and I would love to dive into those with you. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) Okay, so a lot of us have heard of this long list of shoulds that we internalize and expect ourselves to meet. So we'll say things to ourselves like, oh, I should be having an easier time with this, or I should be married by now, or even I should be able to finish everything that I put on my to-do list today. So how can we both identify those false expectations in our lives, but then also replace those unhealthy expectations with some healthy ones? Yes, I, that is the chapter on expectations is one of my favorite in the book. I just think it's really powerful and also very easy to recognize and make changes. So I think the chapter really packs a punch in the sense that you can get a lot out of it and you can see instantly ways where you can start making changes in your life. And one of those biggest changes is what you were just talking about, Chloe, is being able to recognize those shoulds that aren't actually helpful and replacing them with ones that are. And the I think the, I don't know what a good word to use would be like the, the nexus of that is maybe, I don't know if that's, that's where it went. we'll go with it. Like the nexus of it is really looking at where is this expectation coming from? And if it's a should, there's this sense of burden or obligation, right? And so it's helpful to take a step back and say, where is this coming from? And is this coming from a place of fear? Is it coming from a place of, I don't feel like I'm enough? Is it coming from wanting to meet the expectations of someone else? Or it's totally arbitrary. And instead of that limiting expectation to challenge it and say, what is something that's more in line with 
who I believe I am as a person with something more in line with like my dignity and my worth as a woman and reshaping that expectation to align more closely to it. Right. And so I think, you know, I honestly, your podcast is a great example of this because I think you're a big part of what you're passionate about is saying there isn't, it's not a one size fit all to leave out, to live out the feminine genius, right? That there's all these different beautiful ways to do it. And that's more important than narrowly fitting yourself into a box and saying there's only one way to live this out, right? And I think that's a great, (laughs) easy, simple example of challenging expectations, right? The expectation a Catholic woman should live out her feminine genius in this one way. That's an expectation that is not leaving you free to discern what gift has God specifically given to me and how is he calling me to use it. I think too that there's this freedom when there's a realization that if the feminine genius, like running on with that example, if feminine genius isn't something that I that I should do or this one way that it should look and it's instead discerning where the Lord is calling me to live this out in my own life, there's such an invitation to an exploration and a discovery of what that looks like in your life personally, where like looking around and and hearing stories of how women live out the feminine genius is phenomenal. It's such a great place to start. But the real beauty I think happens when women sit down and start examining their own life and finding out what the Lord is calling them to live personally in their own apostolate. Yeah, I completely agree because I think it can sometimes be, you know, people will say you're unique, right? There's nobody else like you in the world. And I think sometimes we roll our eyes and we're like, oh my gosh, that's so cheesy or, you know, everybody has to be unique and special, but it's true, right? It's like, oh, you have been put in this specific moment in time with these specific people in your life, given specific gifts certain personality characteristics, right, that nobody else has, nobody else has the mission that you have. And I think that's really important. And like you were saying, there's like a freedom in that to be able to say, I'm called to discover what this gift is, and to use it. It's not me trying to fit into a narrow box of whatever seems to be like trending about what it means to be a Catholic woman, right. But instead to say, I like owe it to myself and to God, my creator to really dive in and be curious about like, what gifts have I been given? And you know, what really am I passionate about? And how do all those things align with where I am in my state and life? Because we all have that power to do good and to spread God's love to others. You know, another um, aspect of your book that I really enjoyed was when you were writing about boundaries. And in your book, you write that having clearly defined boundaries and communicating them in a respectful way to others helps you weed out those things that are distracting you from living life authentically. A lot of times when I hear people talk about setting boundaries, um, they'll talk about them in kind of an abstract way, but then what that looks like practically can get a little confusing. So could you define what a boundary is and maybe give some examples about what setting a boundary with someone would look like in a conversation? Yes, definitely. Boundaries is another favorite topic of mine. (laughs) Again, could talk all day, but we'll just hit the high points for you. Boundaries tend to kind of get a bad rap, I would say, in the sense that I think sometimes it's easy to fall into this mindset that I only need boundaries in relationships that are not going well. But the truth is, when you're in an authentic relationship with someone, boundaries are just woven in and they're so natural that you're not even realizing that 
the other person setting a boundary or you're setting a boundary because there's that mutual respect between the two of you. I think it's only when we're in relationships where we recognize, oh, wait, things are not maybe as they should be in like a healthy, authentic way. And now I'm, I'm realizing that boundaries would have been a helpful thing to have. So boundaries, I really define as letting someone know what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. And that can extend to your time, your energy, your physical space, your emotional space, um, even spiritually, I guess you could make an argument to, you know, set a spiritual boundary, I suppose. Um, but really, it's letting someone know what's okay and what's not okay. Um, sometimes people will describe it as like having a fence, right, that has a gate, and you get to decide what are you letting in and what are you not letting in, what's staying out. And knowing, you know, back to what we we're talking about with your values and your priorities, that can really help you figure out, you know, what are my personal boundaries. But examples of boundaries would be, you know, if you are, if someone asks you to volunteer for something, and that would be on the surface might seem like a good thing. It's an, or maybe it's an organization that you're passionate about. You really like their mission. It means a lot to you. You like the people involved, but you also know that you just don't have the time and the energy to devote to it to do a good job. And you might feel torn, right? There might be a part of you saying, it's such a good organization. They have such a good mission. I'm really passionate about it. I should, there's our expectation there, right? I should say yes to this. A good Catholic should say yes to this or something like that, right? Yep. Or if I really cared or I don't want to let them down. But when in reality, if you don't have the time or energy to devote to do the best job at that role, setting a healthy boundary is a way of respecting everybody involved, including yourself and including the people at the organization, right? Because if you say, I would love to help, I just don't have the time right now, you know, I can please count on my prayers, right? Or I'll help spread the word or something like that, right? What you're communicating is you're saying, I care about myself and I care about the success of your organization and I'm not going to jeopardize either of us by committing to something that I can't fully give myself to. And when you say it that way, it makes a lot of sense. It's not you being bad. It's not you being selfish. It's not you not caring. It's recognizing I have limitations as a person. I can only do so much. I can only give so much. If I'm not mindful of where I am kind of in my capacity, then when I say yes to something that I can't fully commit to, I'm not able to be my like true, present, authentic self, right? I'm bringing my like stressed, overwhelmed, uh, you know, why did I say this? Now I'm feeling guilty or maybe I'm feeling resentment towards the organization or whatever. So that's a, a real simple way, I think, of showing how boundaries help like create that structure or that framework so that you can really live out whatever you're called to do in the best way. It really, I think, again, brings that sort of clarity that we were talking about earlier. Yes, I love thinking about giving of yourself, whether that's your time or your emotional energy or all the things you mentioned as a gift and wanting to give of your full self to make that a total gift to another, whether that's a person or an organization, like in that example. And I think that just shifts the mindset of saying no to something or saying yes to something, depending on how that was discerned to just being, yeah, it just is. Yeah. It's a different way of thinking of it. And I think it helps to remind us, uh, you know, that it's not about doing the most things mm -hmm. or like yes. being the most productive, right? It's being mindful 
and thoughtful about how we spend our time and energy so that we're really directing it in the best place possible. And of course, that takes some discernment and prayer and all of that. But I think, you know, we can get stuck in that, like, I have to do it all. And I'm sure I've used this example before in our conversations, Chloe, but I just think it's a helpful one, um, is the way that I set my schedule as a therapist. And I have a very strict schedule that took me years to figure out of how many clients can I see in a row before I need a break, how long that break needs to be, how many more clients I can see, how many days. And I've set that structure for myself. And I have to be really like very, very stern with myself sometimes about keeping that schedule because I will be tempted to want to, oh, what's the harm of just, I'll just add another appointment in, right? Or I'll just skip lunch. It'll be fine. Newsflash, it's not fine because I'm hungry and my stomach is growling and then I can't focus, you know? So those are boundaries we also need to set with ourselves, right? Like, of course, in a dream world, I would love to be able to see clients night and day and help as many people as possible. But the reality is I need to set those boundaries with myself so that I can be fully present to the clients that I actually have, right? And that they know when they show up for their appointment and they're looking for help and they're fully present, that I'm going to be giving them the same, that I can show up and be fully present and not thinking about where my lunch is or what did I pack for lunch, right? I'm like, oh my gosh. So yes, we do what we also have to set boundaries with ourselves and recognize, you know, I guess our limitations, but also what helps us really live out our vocation in the best way possible. Yeah, I really love that emphasis because then it makes the things that you have said yes to in that instance, the clients that you have said yes to, it that makes your yes so much more present. So when you're saying Mm -hmm. no to something, it's so you can say yes more fully to the things you've said yes to. Yes. And when you say it like that, it makes boundaries seem less, I think, scary or less. People will say, well, I'll feel bad saying no. Right. And it's, it's not about saying yes to things out of fear or because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. It's requiring taking that step back and really discerning what am I being called to do in this moment? Julia, I could talk all night with you and you outlined so well, seven different habits and seven different practices that are the antidotes to those. So there's so much more to dive into and you read about it so beautifully. Where can listeners pick up a copy of your brand new book, A Work in Progress, Embracing the Life God Gave You? And how can they connect with you online to learn more about your first book, the articles that you put out and in your practice? I am on Instagram, I would say the most, and that's I'm at Julia Hogan LCPC. So I'm over there. And then you can also visit my website, which is juliamariehogan.com. And you can find out more about courses that I have on my first book and my second book. I also have a fun sweatshirt and mug if you want to (laughs) accessorize your book. The sweatshirt is extremely comfy. I wear it all the time. But then also, too, you can purchase the book on Amazon. Um, I know free shipping can be really, really awesome. So the, both books are on there. Um, and then you can also get both of them on the Our Sunday Visitor publishing website as well. Um, and then also with the book, I at the end of each chapter, there's reflection questions and action items and then a group discussion set of questions at the end of the book. So I actually just talked to my publisher and our, our publisher, I should say, Chloe, <laughs> and they put together a really nice PDF with all of those questions, which with a bunch of blank space in between. So um, if anybody, any readers or any listeners are interested in that, they can just send me a message through my website or Instagram and I'll email that to them too because I know some people were, I was getting some feedback that people wanted to answer the questions but didn't want to actually write in the book. 
um, so they could like lend it out and stuff. So I reached out um, to our Sunday visitor and they were really great about that. So uh, just feel free to message me if you're, if you like a reflection question handout. I love being able to use that resource for a small group discussion too. I think that would be so fruitful. I think, yeah, I really, I'm hoping people have the idea to use it for a book club because I think it really would bring out some good discussion and a lot of opportunity for like solidarity in the sense of, oh, you're feeling that too. We can support one another in learning more about boundaries or challenging expectations or kind of bouncing ideas off of each other like what are the gifts you see in me what are the talents you see in me and kind of being able to share that so that's my hope at least I I hope so too yeah it's kind of like when I can't see my own my own physical features my own face without a mirror and so when it comes to conversation about learning about who I am and the gifts and talents I have it is so helpful to have people speak into that because they see it from a different perspective so I think yes yes here's to here's to so many book clubs using this book I think it would be so good (laughs) Amen to that. <laughs> so one last question for you before we end our conversation today. This is a question that I ask every every guest that comes on the show. And it's this one. How do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life, especially in this conversation as a woman helping others live lives full of purpose and authenticity? Yes. Oh, such a good question. I can't even remember what I answered last time, but hopefully I'm giving like a slightly more, I don't know, nuanced or different answer just for variety's sake. But I more and more have felt very just strongly about anybody that I interact with, whether it's the security guy at my office or a good friend, you know, to really focus on being present for that person so that they feel seen, just because I think it's so easy to kind of float through the day and just focus on like, what do I need to do? Um, what's important to me? So I've really been trying to make an effort to kind of pause and, you know, really like look that person in the eyes, say a genuine, you know, hello, or genuinely ask how they're doing. Definitely, I'm not perfect. But that has been something I've been really trying to grow in in the past, I would say couple of years. That's just become really important to me. That sensitivity of seeing the other. Mm, that's so good. Mm. And then practical too. We all see other, we all see so many people throughout the day, even if it's people in our own homes, where if we turn and pay attention and see them with our hearts, it, it really shifts things and in, in how a day goes. Yeah, I think just appreciating the other person, you know, and really seeing like their uniqueness and their gifts. And, you know, maybe even if someone is, I don't know, you're driving and they're annoying you with their driving or something, you know, even to just send them some good wishes and, you know, a quick prayer for them. Yeah, I just think we have enough of like, we're in our own little worlds. And so I've been trying to be a little bit better about just making those connections. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks also for sitting down with me this evening and and sharing about a work in progress and for all of the work and intentionality that you put into that project. It shows it's such a good book, Julia. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chloe. And thank you for having me. It's been a true honor. And I mean that sincerely just to be able to chat with you. So thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Letters to Women. You can check out the show notes for my conversation with Julia on my website, letterstowomenpodcast.com, or just scroll down in your podcast player for links to purchase Julia's new book, A Work in Progress, as well as listen to our episode together from way back when in 2018, where we have a conversation about her first book, It's Okay to Start with You on Self-Care. And I also linked that book in the show notes too. Julia is giving away a copy of A Work in Progress to a Letters to Women listener. So head over to my Instagram page today at letters 
Letters to Women underscore podcast to find out how to enter. You'll also find a link to the little Catholic box so you can get 50% off one of their most popular items. Every month I send out a newsletter called Naptime Notes, which I write during those rare coordinated nap times that my toddlers sometimes give me. I share what I'm reading and listening to, my favorite thrift store finds, library books that I'm reading, the girls, and reading after the girls go to bed, and tiny changes that are making big differences in our life here at the Linger House. The May issue goes out next week, so subscribe on my website or through the link in the show notes. If the conversations that you hear on Letters to Women are something you'd recommend to a friend, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Seeing a new review from you as a listener makes my day and you have no idea how encouraging it is. And rereading those reviews helps me to get to know you better as a listener and also helps me shape future shows. If you know a woman who would love listening to this episode, could you send it to her? Maybe your little sister is graduating from high school and you'd love for her to hear about Julia's advice, or maybe a friend of yours is starting a new chapter in a new city and Julia's book is perfect for this season of her life. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes, including the fun series coming out this summer about friendship with women in your life, featuring women who contributed to my newest book, Sisterhood, Giving and Receiving the Gift of Friendship, which released this past week so you can get a copy today anywhere you find books. That is all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid.